Darmstadt on Air number 8 Virtuality as an artistic tool Alexander Schubert and Susanne Kennedy in conversation Welcome to a new edition of Darmstadt on Air, the podcast of the Darmstadt Summer Course with conversations on music and experiment. My name is Silvia Freidank from the Darmstadt team and I'm happy to introduce episode number eight. If you are not listening to us for the first time, you already know that every podcast edition is hosted by a guest artist or tutor of the Darmstadt Summer Course. Each of them brings in a subject of her or his own choice and invites a dialogue partner. This time, Darmstadt composition tutor Alexander Schubert spoke to the German theater director Susanne Kennedy via Zoom. They share an interest for digital tools and the artistic potential of virtuality on stage or in a performance. As the starting point for their discussion, each of them describes one of their recent works. Susanne's piece Ultra World investigates the human consciousness as a virtual construction and inner simulation of the world. It was premiered at the Berlin Volksbühne in January 2020. And Alexander discusses his project Genesis, where he created a seven-day installation as a real-life computer game in which the audience created a virtual world via online interventions. It was shown in April 2020. Enjoy listening. Okay, welcome Susanna Kennedy. It's my pleasure to have you here in a little talk. And my name is Alexander Schubert and um, we today want to talk a bit about virtuality and digitalism in the performative context. Thank you, Susanna, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, maybe a few uh, introductory words, maybe they're not necessary, but just for completion, Susanna Kennedy is a theater director who in the past has worked with um, strategies and tendencies of the post-human and the post-dramatic and has dealt with virtuality and digital codes in the theater space. And the way I um, perceive it, testing the limits of the theater in a digital age and also um, questioning the role of the human on stage and the way we interact and look at humans in a stage setting. And as this um, podcast will be uh, shown in a context of contemporary music, the interesting part here also was or is to kind of um, compare or to see what tendencies are shared also with the contemporary music performances. And this is why we, the two of us, are sitting together. And um, I myself bring in my background as a multimedia composer, which I realize also with a lot of video works, interactive sensor pieces, and works that also um, strongly focus on the digital and what it does to our perception and human interaction. So maybe just as a very quick outline of what um, we are trying to talk about today. And Susanna, you can also <laughs> jump in or correct me or add if I'm missing something. 
the the main topic um, of the discussion should be or we decided upon is um, virtuality so what does that mean in a staged performative setting and not strictly so much in a sense of virtual reality directly but more also as a metaphor or also as a way of um, principles of decoupling of constructing settings also of simulations and in that question also or in, with that regards in virtuality especially in digital mediated virtuality what kind of interaction codes or visual languages and forms of representation are prominent and how can they be delivered on a stage that is by definition not a virtual digital space but an analog space and I have the feeling, or we've been also discussing this beforehand, that there are tendencies in contemporary performances that, well, take notice of those trends. And as far as I see it, Susanna, you're one of the prominent figures uh, in the world of the theater who managed to establish a um, very strong and very unique position in this field. So uh, beforehand, the two of us decided that we maybe take two pieces that we've developed quite recently as a starting point, because both of those pieces kind of deal with the aforementioned topics. And maybe we can, the both of us can explain a little bit of those two pieces, and in your case, Ultra World, and in my case, the piece Genesis. And then I assume that uh, while we do that, we are already hitting some of the crucial points. And after that, we can maybe jump into a discussion or try to, I don't know, point out relevant um, points in those approaches to um, performances. Sure. If you would like, maybe you can um, give our listeners like a little um, introduction to Ultra World, which I've just recently seen and uh, have also a lot of questions about. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so... Ultra World was a work we created uh, in January 2020 at the Volksbühne in Berlin, and I. It's a piece that I I wrote myself, and basically it's about a character called Frank, but it could be anybody. So Frank stands for is a stand-in for anybody, any man. And he wakes up in a kind of game setting, a world that he's not familiar with. And he's presented with a kind of task or a test. He has to um, go through a kind of a testing phase in which he um, is being told that he... Um, well, basically he meets two other characters and he's being told this is your wife and this is your daughter... And they are thirsty, so you have to go out to the desert and um, get water to save them. So he has five tests in general, and he always goes out, and either he gets the water or he doesn't get the water, but they always die. So the scene always ends with death. And um, so we watch him fail over and over again, and in the end he... Um, Basically, he lets go, which means he accepts that he cannot save them. And that's when he suddenly gets to the next level. But, of course, also here the game is a kind of metaphor for life itself and um, existence and the human dilemma that we're finite in that sense. But we were interested in how can we build a world 
that is um, so we can be observers of somebody in that world because we cannot it's so difficult to do that with our own world and observe ourselves in it because we we uh, it's so yeah that's what I'm saying is that it's so difficult to look at yourself within that world so the game and the idea of a virtual reality that you encounter um, is for me very interesting as a as a metaphor because I think VR is the best technological metaphor we have for conscious experience. The idea is that we create this idea of the world in our head, which is crazy in a sense to accept because we want to think that there is an objective reality, but it seems like that is not the case. I mean, I don't know, maybe I had to also think, maybe you know the German philosopher Thomas Metzinger? Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of him? Mm -hmm. Because when I saw your piece, which is also called Genesis, which is in that sense is quite similar in a world comes into existence, I had to think of him because he's very much working together with uh, virtual reality researchers and he says there is no thing like the self. Nobody ever had or was a self. All that exists are phenomenal selves as they appear in conscious experience. And to research that is is extremely exciting, I think. And I think the theatre lends itself very well, a performance in that sense. I mean, it doesn't have to be the classical stage, because then we can take a step back and watch somebody go through it. And Artaud, who was a very important theatre philosopher, um, mysticist, I don't know how you would call him, he used that term virtual reality already. So we, yeah, that with Ultra World, we were thinking of how can we try to create something like that on stage, also with the visuals. So we really tried to create a, a virtual reality stage. So it's all, it's all video and we could create any kind of landscape with that. So he went to the desert then he went back inside and I mean in theatre usually you would have to get I don't know lots of props and stage design and whatnot, which for me is not interesting and suddenly you can create whole worlds that someone can walk into and that's in a sense also a means of testing the yeah the borders of theatre where how far can we go and stretch that medium and and how can that medium help us to explore um, our own human experience in that sense. So, yes, I think that's something. Yeah. yeah, it feels like it's really stretching towards something that VR is, or, I mean, the way you push the setting towards something that feels so digital or so virtual, it's, um, it's really... Uh, letting go of other things that you would normally associate with theater also the way the actors play and so like as a provocative question why would you consider doing the whole thing directly in vr or what are the benefits of actually doing it on a stage with real human people well Apart from that, I'm, I am considering uh, doing a real VR piece. I still think that theatre um, cannot... I mean, it is a real experience in that sense that you have human bodies uh, at the same 
place in the same time. So the here and now is so um, is so important. So it, it because I also experience theater as something like a ritual that you celebrate together, and there are not many spaces left uh, where you can do that. So that also means every evening is different and every atmosphere the audience creates together with the actors is different so that is something that you cannot achieve behind a screen so there i want to i want to try out if i can merge the to have the technological aspect of it but then at the same time really celebrate it in a in the here and now together yeah that totally makes sense for me also when i um, look at it it's Also, of course, there's, for me at least, the friction of the fact that it's a human being and but what it represents is so inhuman in a way. So I think or this this counter or this, this balancing between looking at a person and seeing it act as something that is not a person, if you would transfer it completely to a digital realm, then also this friction would be lost in a way. Yes. Is that something that's... Absolutely. Um, I mean, the I, what I very strongly perceive when I watch uh, your work is that it definitely challenges also the way we look at humans uh, and, and in general also in a way. So for me, it also has this very, very digital form of of perceiving a human being. And I mean, here it's also pushed to a limit in a way, but I guess just transferring the whole setting of Ultra World into a VR game that is purely digital would lose all this, those aspects. Are, the, are, are those things that are important for you? Yes, what you, what you mentioned about perceiving, how do we perceive ourselves and human beings in general, that's something that I... I find that the conventions we usually have, be it film or theater, to portray human beings doesn't go far enough. Because some, just going, you know, using my own personal experience, if I sometimes look at people, they appear very strange to me. Hmm. How they interact, how they are in situations. If you would use, if you would take a normal situation on the street, two people, you know, talking to each other. Just the way they use language, the pauses they make, the strange uh, uh, mistakes, uh, and you put would put that directly on stage. It would be so. It would be completely abstract theater. Mm -hmm. So I'm very much um, fascinated by that. We have these conventions to portray human beings, but it doesn't get close to something that I how I perceive reality, which is much stranger and um, more complex than what we use as, in that sense, acting methods. So mm -hmm. in acting, it's when you're angry, you shout, when you're sad, you cry, and it doesn't portray the strange human experience at all, I think. So I'm trying to find new ways of approaching that. It was always something that I was searching for also as a young director that I perceived in reality that I thought how can I get close to this feeling that I have and it was also connected that I the feeling that I had that people were sometimes um, talking in scripts so that they were delivering lines depending on the situation they're in and me as well I'm not I mean outside of that 
that you have learned a script that you use and you have no um well sometimes we reflect on that but hardly ever we pretend it's our own authentic voice that's talking Mm. but of course we get handed a script as soon as we are born in a sense and it's our parents and then it's it's our friends and the education system and it's important to make a society work but we so it's it's part of the game, but we um, I, I think you get into trouble if you believe the lines you're delivering is really you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're already in trouble saying that, but still. So the, t- I wanted to develop something on stage that could reflect on that idea that we are dealing with scripts all the time. And mm-hmm. I mean watching what's happening now everywhere in the world scripts are very very important mm-hmm. and if you you know you don't use the right script you get punished for it so it's an interesting time for that yeah absolutely yeah so it feels a bit like uh, if i understand you correctly also that like going through this also kind of digital virtual exaggeration in a way it's a way, even though it kind of goes further away from the human, that you're actually trying to get closer to to the core of what it is. So it's more like an intermediate step in a way. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to use tools to get to something else. And mm. um, I mean, you can very easily, people often say, ah, oh, it's robots or zombies. And that stays on a kind of surface. And I mean, you can see it like that. But what does it mean? I mean, I, 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 if, well, the, the idea that the robot, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting concept or the zombie. I mean, it's also something I'm trying to find out if the characters that I present on stage, are they trapped in a loop? Mm-hmm. Can they, are they conscious of that, that they're trapped in a loop? Can they get out? And is it something they can reflect upon while they're being watched by an audience. So in a sense, it's a very self-reflexive kind of ontological machine that I'm trying to build there and using the theater for it. Um, I don't know how it is for you. I mean, what what would you say is the basic, if you really break it down, research that, that you're doing? Yeah, that's a good question. I think like seeing your piece ultra world i was really seeing a lot of parallels to some of the techniques i'm using even though the form somewhat is different so um maybe to as a kind of as a bridge between what you talked about the whole thing of this kind of this test setting and this sort of repetition setting and the the question also of letting go and kind of yeah, entering the system, but also the aspects of perspective changes is something that I find interesting, like how, who's in control, um, whose perception am I dealing with? And um, one piece that, um, yeah, maybe I can say a few words about, um, it's called Genesis, which is actually also a VR game. And that piece, again, also like like your piece, is not a like classical computer game that you play with a vr headset but it's a vr setting in a way that people through a screen can um, interact with a virtual setting so what happens in that piece is well basically it's an empty um, industry hall that was um, 
available for seven days. And um, in those seven days in that hall, there were four people, four avatars, who had a headset on with a microphone and a camera that would capture directly what they would see and what they would hear. And those streams would be sent to a browser interface where people could log in from all over the world to tell these people what to do within that setting. So it is, in a way, a very virtual setting for the people who are logging in. And um, there were no rules, no explanations, no guidelines. There's no script, no narrative, no dramaturgy, and also no goal towards the end. So people are basically just thrown in this situation and could do whatever they wanted to do out of the setting. Well, there were quite a few different aspects that were interesting but as you also mentioned what the so or like what the research aspect of what i'm doing is that's actually a good question because i very strongly consider this a piece of art like this more like a research subject in a way so also the like um it's not about showing something that is just beautiful from beginning to end but it's more about trying to find out how people interact with this and what it makes people feel what the bond between a person who is controlled that could not speak back and the person controlling an avatar from all over the world from wherever so you would have strategies or, or you would have like aspects of um of taking care, but also of hierarchy, of interaction, of communication, also of interaction between the avatars and so on. And basically it would also always restart again. So people would log in again and it would pick up from where it was before. And I really like this aspect of trying not knowing what the rules are and um, seeing or trying to understand what rules people make out of it. And it's... Um, what I also really like is this kind of this emptiness of it. So it's, I mean, it's literally an empty hall at the beginning. Like the people could then also order objects like through a menu. So the hall would fill up more and more. But it's, I really like this. Like, for example, at the beginning, um, when an avatar would walk through this hall and just an object would lie on the floor, it has this um, a bit also, I think, what you are saying, what I perceive there too. It makes you look at this object and it feels so displaced there or it has this kind of this, it does not belong there or it does not belong anywhere. But it's kind of, it's a look that you could also, it's the way you can look at everything else um, as well. And um, it really makes you question of what to make with it, or it's the absurdity of it, or the, um, and also that it's so constructed in a way. Then this, this whole space was so, if I would sometimes go through there or clean up something or just um, walk into that hall just to check if everything was going well. And it's such a strange place that is so, it is extremely real for the avatars being there. They had hunger, they had, um, they wanted to sleep, that it was like very physical, everything they were doing. But then again, it also, it was because they were not speaking, they were just receiving information. It was also very calm in there. So it was, it felt like a, such dislocated space. And maybe at the core, what I really like is showing the ambivalence of those kinds of settings. So for one, I could really also this question again of letting go. I could totally surrender to this place and find it very beautiful even though it's also kind of ug or not really ugly, but just really strange or really not human in a way. It feels in a way very wrong. And um, 
What I really like as well is the possibility to allow different perspectives on the same setting. So mm -hmm. this kind of comparison of what a player thinks, what an avatar thinks, this kind of multi-perspective thing on the same reality. Mm -hmm. And I saw some uh, a clip uh, um, from Genesis, and was it also that you was the the audience was not in the hall, right? Nobody, just the four avatars for the whole week. Ah, okay, okay. But then you could experience yourself as the avatar in yes. a sense. Yeah. Ah, okay. You would look Because through the eyes of an avatar and say, yeah. "Now go to the." I don't know, to the bed, lie down and, um, I don't know, do whatever. Yeah, so you would feel as if suddenly this was your body somehow. Yes. Ah, yeah, that's so interesting because that's also why I was thinking of um, uh, Thomas Metzinger, this philosopher, mm -hmm. because they did um, um, research on how easy you can actually leave your own body. Yeah. So have an out-of-body experience and take on the body of someone else. So that's, I mean, it can happen like this. Yeah. So we're, we're not at all attached to this body and we think we are so much. So I, so I had to think of it when I saw uh, this clip where they were sitting at the table and using the hands and yeah. then suddenly the feeling that, oh, I just take these other hands as my hands. Yes. Um, Yeah, those things happen or are possible actually surprisingly uh, fast. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. Of course, there are also you. And if you see the hands of somebody else there, then you know it's uh, it's it really offers a wide range of connotations in a way. Like um, it has this this form of dominance also or control in a way, but it also you also um, kind of. Well, you connect to this person, or so it's, um, or identification is also something that can happen as well. So it's, um, yeah. yeah, I think that's something I actually like that it's un, or I really, I try to avoid having like a moral message to convey. I, mm. I find it much more interesting to just display the setting and show aspects of it rather than, yeah, like exposing a, an underlying a moral message. Yeah, how would that even be possible? I don't know. I mean, it's it's um, anyone who attempts that. I don't know how 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 that even would work. But um, so also what you said, what I also find fascinating, the idea that you get into a kind of game and you, you have to find out the rules while playing. Yeah. So the playing itself will uncover the rules. It's not there that they're handed to you at the beginning of the game and okay this is what you have to do but by playing you 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 discover it and um, so that's also part i would say in uh, of ultra world that Absolutely. he 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 is being presented with uh, a situation that he does not know how you know how do these rules work and i think um it's so interesting that this applies to life itself i mean we are kind of what heidegger says says hineingeworfen we're just being yep. thrown into this world and we have to find out the rules if there are any uh, uh, while um, while living yeah. and it's it's so hard because of course I mean this applies to you saying there is no moral you don't want to present a, a moral but a lot of people want to do that constantly uh, in life as if they were saying but this is how you play this game this is this is the rule so accept them 
and then you crash into a wall and you think okay maybe this this was not the right rule for me so um and it's so fascinating to to maybe see life as a game I don't know if you heard ever heard of this book. It's called Finite and Infinite Games by James Cars. And uh, it's a book that was really important uh, for me. And it's the idea of seeing life as a kind of game. And the question is, which game do you play? Do you play, play the finite game, which is basically where you basically set up uh, in the sense that you want to win? You know, you want to succeed and win over other people. But if you play the infinite game, you try to keep everyone in play and uh, in the game and uh, play with them. And you incorporate every obstacle you encounter. So it never ends. So while the finite game has a kind of ending point, that is that you win, the infinite game is something that you just keep playing. And so... Where even, and that's, I mean, a very exciting thought, I think, he says that even death is not the ultimate um, game ender. So that was also something in, in, in Ultra World that um, once he, Frank, accepts death, um, he, um, he actually reaches next level because then something completely new can happen mm. so i guess and it, it, the weird thing with ultra world is that we we made it of course before um covid19 hit and then suddenly this whole um piece um got a different connotation during that time because we had to work on it again to be able we're going to show it in vienna um in two weeks and we had to make it kind of corona proof so that they don't touch, or if they touch, you have to wear a glove and stuff like that. And it was so strange to see it again, because, of course, something has happened yeah, <laughs> in the meantime. And, I mean, the whole world has shifted. But basically, it's that question has come more to the foreground, more, yeah, more violently than ever. Is it, I mean, our own... Um, Mortality. Mortality, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's. I've, I find what you say, um, like the rules that we play um, the game by or our life by. That that metaphor actually works very well, um, especially also in Ultra World, also with this constant restarting and um, the parallel that it draws, or it really uh, kind of draws the attention to the fact um, that the rules are well to be explored or not uh, not fixed in a way. I really like that about it. And uh, what I also saw, a parallel I also saw is this, um, that it's kind of a setting that even though the clear, let's say, moral metaphor is not present, but there are at least moral challenges in it. Or it's a kind of, um, so it's not absent in a way completely. It's in a this this um, continued task of finding water of how to deal um, with the with the situation of the wife and the and the child it's um, yeah, it kind of feels like a test setting in a way and um, well it actually also says that so and but the the repetition makes it so so obvious that um, the constructivism of it so um, that's that's an aspect I really yeah. like about it. 
Yes, I thought, I thought in a sense, I mean, here we really break it down to a kind of really test room and it says test one, test two, so it's very constructed. But in, the, in, in a sense, if you look at your own life again, which for me is, I mean, the interesting thing to do, it's the, so the loops we're caught in. So if you, if, if you think about the own, your own mistakes that you make, or let's say own trauma, where you constantly over and over run against the same wall until finally you have a breakthrough uh, because you really went to the core of it and, 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 and saw what you were fighting against. I mean, in a sense, that's also this idea of the hero's journey. I don't know if you're familiar with the concept, Joseph Campbell. Uh, I mean, every Hollywood movie is set up mm. like that. It's yep. uh, the idea that the hero has to go outside, it has a, gets a call and is being called and... It meets the dragon, has to slay it, uh, yeah. overcome it, and then go back into society and integrate yeah. what he what he experienced. And um, of course, in that sense, the dragon is is you, is yeah. part is a part of you, your own psyche. So that idea that we the test situation is something that happens within yourself. It's not about saving. Uh, the woman and the girl of course I mean that can be part of it but obviously this is not where it's um, where the problem lies the problem lies within himself that he thinks he has to play the savior and save them but there's something deeper in himself that happens which is that he cannot accept in I mean his own mortality yeah and that's something I feel is very much part of our society that it's a taboo and that's there's a lot of fear and anxiety comes from that that you that we don't dare to confront that that mm. fact so i don't know i think it's at the age of eight or something like that that uh, children really start to grasp the concept of mortality I mean, I have a daughter, she's four, she will be five. She already asks questions like that. But I think really, it really starts to sink in by the age of eight. I don't know. I, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I read that. So, and then we start to make, <laughs> construct <laughs> ideas and turnarounds or try to hide it. The fact that this is going to be the case for everyone we try to not make it the case mm. so um i mean that's also of course very much part of this whole um corona situation that's the big fear that lies behind it but um so i find if we don't confront this ultimate um question nothing else will be solved so it, it lies at the basic of everything. So that was also the, the setup of Ultra World. I mm. mean, this is a big basic question. I mean, you can try and be savior for everyone around you. If you don't confront that question, you you will never really, um, yeah. yeah, get to the next mm. level. I think. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Yeah, this kind of this yeah this loop or this repetition and to kind of reevaluate a situation and look at it again and again uh, is something I really found interesting. It's I've done it in a um, 
a similar way that which was kind of the precursor to Genesis, which was called Control, which had a, the same, basically a, a similar setting. One person would control another person in a kind of virtual setting. But um, there you would go through three stages. Like the first time you would be controlled yourself. So you would be thrown into a setting and somebody would start telling you what to do. After 30 minutes, you would move one level up, so to say, and would get another new audience member who has entered and like lead him through exactly the same thing again. And then in a third stage, you get to kind of a supervision room and just overlook what the next people are doing. So this, I really like this idea of kind of getting to a situation or to a scenario and through like also how you distance yourself from it and uh, what it does to you. So here it was like the first one was like super scary. It was you would be kind of thrown into a setting. You have no idea what what would happen. And um, and you were in it like so like, well, with flesh and blood. But then you would kind of, well, move, kind of get distanced and distanced out of it. And it would be the same setting in a way. So you could then adapt or see um, how you interact with it from different levels. And um, oh, interesting, yeah. And I think it's really uh, um, a chance in, um, in, an, in an art piece in a way to, to offer this perspective change in a way. Um, and um, for me, that's... Um, yeah, really feels there's um, it's the comparison between um, perspectives, and there it also has to do with the with the different aspects of virtuality and embodiment in a way also. So like how close you are to it, and what I found interesting there is also that it would not necessarily even mean that you felt the most engaged if you were in the setting yourself with your own body, but for for me actually it felt more it felt closer in the second stage when I would tell somebody else what to do, not because of the hierarchy, because I could control, but it's um, like this. Yeah. It's very strange. The, the forms of intimacy and how you deal with the settings changes through the degree of virtualization. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, sometimes uh, getting more distance can create more intimacy. That's a strange thing. Yeah. It's um, also something I uh, perceive that sometimes uh, all these tools to draw me in um, create more distance than if I'm allowed to have my own, have more space somehow, mm -hmm. that I can get closer to it. Because eventually, I mean, it does happen within your own mind. So how do you get the audience to that place? But of course, they have to do it themselves. I mean, be open to this kind of experience and willing to let go. And that's something that's always, I mean, you can invite somebody, but you can never, um, you know, force them into yeah. it. So it's I was wondering, like, how how's your stand on the immersive aspect of your pieces? It feels like it's a, for on the one hand, it has a um, strong feel to it, but then it's also often broken again, like the the whole structure with meta comments and so on how do you use that as a tool the immersiveness of your of the settings yes i would like to use it both at the same time so that you're completely drawn in even if you sit in your chair and mm. you're not walking through it but it's like because like i said it's, it happens in your mind um so that you're completely into it but at the same time the meta 
thinking about it makes it even more um, how do you say I can only use myself as a as some because the 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 the, the, the work I do is what I would like to experience, I guess. So the work I, I create. So I, for me, it works best if there, if I have the feeling there's also that thinking doesn't stop. So it doesn't mean because I'm completely immersed that there is no thinking anymore. So how how can it be? How can it happen both at the same time? Sometimes I also take in voices that have a, a critical aspect to this kind of immersiveness because I also know myself that sometimes thoughts like that come into my mind while I'm experiencing it, mm -hmm. do, having the experience. Mm -hmm. So it's also part of the experience. So it's not outside of it. So I guess I'm trying to create something that can incorporate both aspects. Yeah. I mean, for me, it felt, or that's at least also the way I feel it, that, I mean, if you want to also show the constructiveness of something or also the kind of the simulation aspects of it, it's also a helpful tool to create something which you then can tear down. At yeah. least that's uh, the way I always feel. It's um, yeah. this, you can't, if you if you don't construct something, you can't tear down something. Yeah. And, um Yeah, yeah, it's also or tearing down, but for me it's also how can I create how can I create an ontology or mm. let's let, something that can observe itself. Yeah. So that it doesn't get completely caught what happens to us that we get caught within this own construction and we never are able to watch the construction from outside because mm. that means also having a critical eye in that sense to, you know watch yourself what observe yourself what is it that you're doing in this moment that you're completely immersed and uh, yeah it's something that so it's the eye watching itself somehow mm. um yeah i mean of course this kind of this Uh, the way I feel is this the switching between immersion and the more metal level and is for me or, or seems like a tool that makes the construction perceivable so it kind of puts that in the in the actual focus of what it is Absolutely. and that's also a bit how I um, perceive your works that this the 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 setting also the construction or the kind of the also yeah arbitrary setting of the rules so to say as um, what like this really becomes put in the in the focus in a way yeah it's also if we talk about different media so the medium itself reflects upon itself so what I sometimes use that I You know, I watch YouTube videos and I think, oh, this is good content. I'm going to use this interview. And then I use the comments underneath mm. the YouTube video so that you have a situation. You put it on stage like an interview. Let's say an interview between an actress and a, and a director who talk about a film. And underneath you have the comments of people from a different time frame altogether sitting at their computer typing in words Uh, and then use that again as if someone else would watch that interview and commenting upon it, but in it not they're not in the same 
space and time frame. So that for me is very interesting to use these different... I guess it's also, in a sense, the dramaturgy of hyperlinks, you know? It's yeah. in a way how I work, that I, you know, I use internet language a lot and content that I discover on blogs and articles. And then I, I click on, on a link and it, it takes me somewhere else. And I, it's a kind of window. And I'm trying to think, how could I create something on stage that uses this kind of dramaturgy, that I go through that window, and, but I have to take the audience there as well. So how can I make it perceivable for them? Yeah, that's definitely very clearly perceivable. I mean, like when we said talking about virtuality, I mean, that's one part. The other part, basically, this is what you mentioned now, is um, a trend which I see in your work strongly, this kind of post-digital or post-internet aesthetics in a way. Like, I think it's impossible not to watch what you are doing without thinking about digital media or digital techniques or the way how um, perception today is formed by looking at screens, by um, cutting. And so it's questions of compositing, of editing, of switching from scene to scene, of flattening the view, of um, decoupling elements, placing them together. It's a... Um, I mean, some of those aspects, of course, are new, like juxtaposing things and collaging stuff. Those all have a history, but it's kind of the, the visual code. And it's also the, um, yeah, there are aspects of it that are so strongly shaped by how we perceive a lot through a browser, through a software window, or how we also edit things. So, for example, when I'm working, I very often actually try to do create something on stage that looks as if I would be working in a video editing software or if I create sounds I actually like it if I can hear that a sample stops there and then there's this digital silence in between that it kind of crumbles and falls into pieces into the actual digital elements so that you yeah you you look at a something that is a real stage but you you feel you feel the file you feel yeah. how it's a yes. that it's a it's a clip here and it's a clip here i also and that is what i also perceive strongly in your piece i see the audio editing window in front of my eyes it's so it's and of course what you already also said it works as a metaphor and it also shows how the absurdity or awkwardness of human communication but it also very strongly reflects on yeah on digital tools digital representations in a way yes this is how we perceive reality most of i mean big part of our day is uh, is just like that so how can the mediums that we use uh, to represent re reality have to use that so it's very strange that I'm I guess uh, still one of the uh, few ones who actually use that on stage but theater is quite slow in that sense mm -hmm. but it seems very uh, obvious to me that this is something um, that we um, yeah that's just part of our way of being nowadays so yeah, yeah absolutely I don't know, maybe that is actually could be a nice finishing sentence. I mean, I like what you say that it's, yeah, it brings, I feel when I see also your works, it brings something in the actual real or analog world that is omnipresent anyway. And I think that's an aspect that I really like to think of art as a tool to make things visible. So as a kind of a tool to show things. And in a way it's, 
also shows the those kind of codices that are um, that are omnipresent in the way we interact and perceive, and of course also in the human image, which I think. Yeah, we haven't really talked about that. Also, you, your work with masks and how the human also gets so abstract in a way, and it's it feels very contemporary in a way. Yes, I mean that's a whole different subject that we can spend another hour to talk Absolutely. about that. But I guess it's it's very much about the tools you use to portray uh, to get closer to this strange thing called reality in a way, and everybody does it in different ways and. Um, I think we, I mean, you have to find your own way in that. But for me, it's uh, like you said, it's the digital is uh, has shaped our reality so much. So we have to include it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you, Susanna, for the uh, for the nice talk. It really feels like there would be really a lot to continue now. But as a um, as a brief summary, maybe we've scratched at least the surface of some of the things relevant and it's very nice that you share your thoughts and i think also for the music scene also your way of working with audio and the decoupling i think it's very interesting yeah well thank you it was a nice talk absolutely